So, after Jesus Christ had gone to heaven, as you know, he left 120 people who believed in him behind. And he told them to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. They began in Jerusalem, in Israel. And at first, as the disciples began, the church began, people thought that this was a, a, a Jewish sect. It was just a sect of Judaism. That this was a, a that Christianity was a, just a just like there were Pharisees, Sadducees, and they thought there were all Christians were just another another group. Now it soon became apparent. Uh, very quickly, that that wasn't exactly the case, that this was something new, uh, as people under and as people began to understand that, um, uh, a persecution began against the church, against Christians, against the disciples, as they were called in, in those days, they were called the disciples or the followers of the way, and. and one person in particular, his name was Stephen. And Stephen, the Bible says, was full of the Holy Spirit, full of uh, wisdom. It also says that it, even it, it, it just the such such grace of God was upon him that no one could stand against the wisdom that he showed when he taught the word of God. People tried to argue with him. But when he will present the truths of the gospel and, and, and talk about Jesus Christ being the Messiah, no one could rebut him. And instead of people being, um, and the Bible says he even did uh, miracles were being done as well, Christian. And he got a chance to go before the ruling people, the religious rulers of the day, and he spoke to them a message from God. Now, instead of those people listening to what Stephen has had to say and, and repenting and being saved, they instead grabbed Stephen, took him out of the city, and they stoned him because he said that what he saw, he has seen a vision of Jesus Christ glorified in heaven. And to them, that was blasphemy to claim that Jesus Christ was God. They dragged him out, stoned him. And the Bible said that that very day, the day Stephen died, the first Christians uh, martyred, the first Christian to die for his faith. That day, the Bible said a persecution broke out, a heavy persecution broke out in Jerusalem against all the Christians. So Christians were being attacked. They were being thrown in jail. They were being uh, uh, tortured. They, uh, they were just being mistreated. And so the Bible says that all of them scattered. All of them scattered except for the apostles who stayed in Jerusalem, all of the, and there were thousands of them at this point. The Christian faith in Jerusalem grew quickly. Thousands of people believed, uh, and they were all scattered around the, that whole, the, the whole area. And so this is where 
we find ourselves here in chapter 11, verse 19. So here's what the Bible says. Now, those, now keep in mind what I just said about the persecution of Stephen because we're going to come back to it. Okay. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution, this is uh, chapter 11, verse 19 of Acts. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Uh, so a lot of those Christians in those days believe they believe that Christianity was only for, for the Jews. And so those who were scattered went around speaking the word of God only to the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to preach to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So, let's begin there. People are scattered. The Bible says here that they go, they fan out all over the world, forced out by persecution. And what do they do when they're out there? When they reach their new destination? The Bible says they begin to share the good news. So I want you to picture this. So here are Christians who've lost their homes, who have had to leave. It wasn't their plan to leave. They're being forced out because they believed in Jesus Christ. They've had to leave. The persecution was so bad. They had to leave their homes, their businesses, their friends, their lands, whatever they were used to. And they went out. Some headed in one direction, some headed to another city, some headed to another country. They fanned out. But in that state, in that season, instead of these believers sitting in a corner saying, telling themselves, please, let's be wise now. Let's not talk about this Jesus thing or they're going to persecute us here again and the same thing going to happen. We don't want to be nomads all of our lives going from one place to another. No, what they did is they began to share the word of God. Now, see, that's something that's difficult for us in America to understand. We face some resistance in the society, but we don't have heavy persecution. You're not in danger of losing your life in America for being a Christian. But in the world out there, that's common. In the world out there, that's common. I, I know, but I personally know believers from some countries, from some nation who got themselves in trouble simply because they believed. And when they tell you some of the stuff that they know the Christians have, have gone to, have gone through, it's, you, you think to yourself, you're like, man, we have it so easy here in America. So 
and there are some places where um, you become a Christian, you're in danger of your life. It's still true today that Christians die. And it's something that at least I know I don't talk about as often and we don't pray about it as often as we, we should. Um, and, but Christians are still today the most persecuted group in the whole world. The most persecuted, more Christians die for their faith than any other religious group. People die for their faith every year. You hear about bombings of churches. Uh, I think a couple of years ago it was in Egypt. I think last year it was in, in Sri Lanka. Uh, just Christians going to church and then the place blows up on a Sunday morning. I remember, um, uh, I know a pastor in one part of the, in one part of the world um, who said to me uh, that he, on a, on a train, he had some Christian tracks uh, with him and the lady asked him for one. The lady was, it was a, it's a country where Christians are not the majority. And a lady asked him, asked him to, can you give me one of those tracks? So he gave it to her. But he told me, yeah, but then I quickly got off the next bus, the, the next train stop, even though that's not where it was going. And I say, why? Well, he said, because you never know. She might go out and say, hey, this man tried to proselytize me, tried to convert me. And in that country, it's illegal to try to convert a Muslim person to Christianity. You, unless they come into your building voluntarily, but you can't do it on the street. So he got off the, the train station, uh, the next train station, just in case I'd say maybe that lady was going to turn around and say, yeah, this man tried to convert me, where, whereas she was the one who actually said, because I don't know what really her intentions are. I got up with That's the kind of way that people live in a lot of parts of the world. This was uh, uh, three years ago. That, and, and this pastor is still there doing the work of God in that particular, that particular country. What am I trying to say? In the midst of difficulty, in the midst of trials, in the midst of their faith being costly for them, these believers were not complaining. They weren't trying to uh, even assert their rights. They weren't trying to do any of that. They, they simply just went on sharing the gospel. They weren't saying, well, God, where are your blessings? We thought we become Christians. We'll be blessed. But no, they became Christians and they had to flee. And in their, in their, in their flight, in their, um, in their season of, uh, of difficulty, in their season of persecution, in the new places they went, they began to speak the gospel to those around them. And I want you to, to, to notice something here. As I said, most of them spoke only to Jews because at that time they, were, they hadn't yet received the revelation that now the gospel was for everyone. But some of them, some, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, uh, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. They began to share the gospel with everybody, all Jews, non-Jews, everyone. 
And here's what happened. The Bible says the hand, the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believe and turn to the Lord in this particular city in Antioch. So of all the places where the believers went here begins really a new phase in the book of Acts where um, you see the um, where you see the focus comes shifting from Jerusalem to this city of Antioch. And there the Bible says that the believers shared the good news and a great number of people believe. Now, today, right now, we're not facing persecution, but we're in a, let's say, an unusual season with the virus, um, with everything that's going on, the civil unrest and all that. But I want to ask you a question. Are you sharing the gospel with people? Are you telling people about Jesus Christ, about the good news? You see, no matter what the news is on CNN or Fox News, whatever, depending on your political leanings in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, no matter what the news is, it's mostly bad news. There is always good news to share, the good news about Jesus Christ. No matter what is going on out there in the world, no matter the sickness, the violence, the disease, and all that, there is always a good news of Jesus that we can share with people. Have you been, have you been sharing that? Have you been asking God for opportunities to share the gospel? Now, I don't believe we ever get, um, there, there is ever a season for not sharing the gospel. And one of the things that you see here, not only is there, is all season a good season for sharing the good news of the gospel, but also there's no believer who cannot share the gospel. Notice here, the Bible tells us some men, doesn't tell us their names or who they were. They weren't apostles. They weren't, uh, they didn't have any titles. So this means these were just regular believers, but the hand of God was upon them and they shared the gospel to people. So you don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to have the gift of evangelism. You just need to be a believer. And I know that this year there wasn't an evangelism training course, but here is a simple way that you can share the gospel with people. You can simply tell your, your friends, you can tell those around you, wherever the opportunity arises, ask the Lord to show you. The Holy Spirit will guide you. But here's the simple thing that you can say. You can tell people how and why you became a Christian. You can tell them, listen, I was lost. I was living in sin. I didn't even know what I was doing. But one day my eyes were open. God showed me that I was lost that I was a sinner, that I was on my way to hell. But I heard the good news that Jesus Christ died for my sins and that if I would humble myself and repent, he'd come in and actually live inside of me and give me a new heart and a new mind and a new purpose for living and a new beginning. And I said yes to that and I received them and I have been a different person since then. Whatever your story is, some of you saw the baptism. There were some great testimonies there. 
of people who share uh, and, and, a, and one uh, person shared during the service. And so even just that, that's two minutes. Yesterday, on my way back from Texas at the airport, there was a chapel. On my way uh, to catch my flight, I stopped by the chapel to pray at the airport and a gentleman came in. Let me just say it was of another religion. We both prayed in the chapel to different gods. Uh, he, he was in the corner um, praying to his God. I was here praying. Uh, it, it, it was interesting. When we got out, I asked him, hey, sir, where are you from? And uh, what are you? And, 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 and we just had two minutes. He, 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 we had two minutes. And in two minutes, I shared the gospel with him. I tried to. I felt that this was a divine encounter. And I just told him, listen, whatever religion you are, you know, all of us know that there's two things, that we're, sinner and we're sinners and there's a holy God. And that's a problem. And we deserve his wrath. But that's why he sent Jesus Christ, his son, to come in and, and, and die for our sins. He can't just tell us we're forgiven, just let I forgive you, just go like that. No more than a judge can say that. And I said to him, just, uh, but we need someone to pay for us. And that's what Jesus did. I told him, you'll just find the Bible and begin to read. Now, I don't know what he's going to do with that. I don't know if I'll ever meet the gentleman again. But at least the gospel was shared. And what I'm trying to say is that no matter where you are, I know people have problems. I know you have problems. Everybody has problems. Jesus says every day has enough trouble of his own. But no matter the day, no matter the season, do share the gospel with people. Ask God for opportunities to do that. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Don't be obnoxious about it. Don't be annoying about it. Ask the Lord to give you the, the anointing and the grace. Now, here's one thing. So these people were not especially trained minister they didn't they were just believers but here's one thing that they did have the bible doesn't tell us their name but it tells us one thing they had they said the lord's hand was with them the lord's hand was with them now when it's done in the flesh that's bad but when the hand of god is upon us it there is an effect whether people believe or not they can tell that they will be able to tell that this is something genuine and there is truth to it. There is a divine weight to it. And how the, does the hand of God come upon a person? There's one verse that you can refer to later, Ezra chapter 8, verse, 20, verse 22. It says that the hand of God is upon all who seek his face and who are ready to obey him. That's from the ESV and the King James uh, versions of those verses. The hand of God is upon all, anybody who seek his face and who are ready to obey him. If you're seeking the Lord, meaning you are walking with God in your personal relationship with him, you are worshiping the Lord, you are in communion with him, you're spending time in the word and in prayer, what's going to happen? The hand of God will be upon you, meaning the power, the anointing of God will be upon you so that when you speak, may just be a couple of words, they will have an impact. 
So that's one of the first thing I want to say here is that no matter the season, share the gospel. And I want to say this, you know, one of the things um, you, when you read this account, you don't get the impression that these are people who are sad, unhappy, joyless, or bored. <laughs> when you, oftentimes when you see Christians who look bored, who look uh, joyless, uh, you, you, you one thing that you can ask yourself is, when's the last time you ever shared the gospel with anybody? You know, uh, you've received something from the Lord. There's something about giving that sustains life. The more you give, the more is poured into you. But if you simply hold and hold and hold, there is a, some kind of a rotting that happens in the soul. Giving away is healthy. In particular, giving the gospel. God saved you. Someone shared the gospel with you. Let it out. Let the Lord lead you during this time. And one thing that has become very strange during this time is that the devil has distracted Christians to get into all kinds of things. And the thing that Christians have not, they will get into controversies, political controversies, all kinds of other, of, of other things, uh, coronavirus controversies. But one of the things that's in the midst of that that's gotten lost is how about sharing the gospel? How about the world being lost out there? And I really want to encourage us today to, in our own way, as the Lord leads us, to get back to that. Now, the Bible says news of this reached the elders in the church in Jerusalem, the, the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Barnabas was a well-known Christian in, in Jerusalem, one of the leaders there. And they sent him to Antioch to say, well, go and check, check out what's happening. They, they heard that God was moving in that place in, in, in Antioch and there was a genuine work of God there. And they asked Barnabas, go there and check it out. Make sure that what's going on there is, is real. And here's what the Bible says. When Barnabas arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. With all of their hearts. There's two things that I want to point out there. When Barnabas went there, the Bible says that he saw the evidence of the grace of God. Now, um, oftentimes you hear that word grace thrown around the Christian wor world a lot. And often what people mean by grace is just that, I'm a, I'm a sinner and, 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 I, and God had pity on me and he forgave my sins. And, and, and we call that grace. And, and I would say that that is a small part of grace. And because, check this out here. It says grace has evidence. What's the evidence of grace? What does that mean? And I, I, would, I would say, I would suggest this to you. In the Old Testament, God gave people mercy also. People sinned, and God forgave them. Okay? They offered a sacrifice. God forgave them. They repented, like in Nineveh. God forgave them. God showed mercy to people who deserve judgment. 
But grace is something that came with Jesus Christ. The Bible said the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And, and, I, I'm, and I'm going to come back to that here in a second. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What is grace? Grace is God at work in me to produce what I cannot produce in my own strength. I can forgive my own sins, so God through grace does that for me. I can blot away the guilt of my sins, so God through grace does it. And neither can I overcome my sins. Neither can I overcome the lust and the greed and the pride and the laziness and, 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 the, and the backbiting and the slander and the jealousy and, and the, the self-centeredness and all that kind of stuff that's in me. I can't overcome that. God can, over, God can, by his power, by his work, through me, that's also grace. So there is evidence of grace. Just like there is evidence of faith. James says that faith without works is dead. Meaning where there is true faith, there will be evidence. I will be doing certain things that show that I have faith. In the same way, there, is, there are evidences of grace. When God is truly at work in a person or in a church, there will be evidences of it. I wish they gave us here what Barnabas saw. What did he see? I think he saw joyful people who had genuine joy of the Lord. That's a work of God because you cannot genuine joy. You can't get it from money. You can't get it from pleasure. You can't get it from hanging out, from smoking weed or from drinking alcohol. True joy only comes from God. You can't get it from having a nice house, a nice condo, from buying a new car or getting into a new relationship or do, doing any of, of those things. It, it, it's a work of God. What did Barnabas see? And, and what evidence did he see? He maybe saw marriages that were being restored. Husbands that left their wives and ran away were back. Maybe he saw people who, were, who had lived an immoral life had changed. He saw people of different kinds joining together and praying together. People of different races and, and ethnicities, which is the, the first multi-ethnic church in the Bible. Is this church in Antioch here where there was everybody, not just Jews, but everybody was in there. And there's a lot for us to learn from this church here. Not only was the hand of God upon them, but you see, and, and, and they shared the gospel even in their hour of trial. But also you see the grace of God was evident in their midst. God was doing things that no one could explain. And in my life, in your life, we have to have that evidence. We, there has to be evidence of grace in your life. And, when, and you see, here's what Barnabas said to them. He said that when he saw the evidence of the grace of God, he encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts, all of their hearts. He told them, listen, I know you guys suffered persecution. You lost everything and you came here, you started the church. And he told them, continue, give it your all. Put all your heart in it. Don't be half-hearted about it. And today I want to say to you, especially those who were baptized recently, if you're watching, and, and, and all of us really, 
If you began this journey with God, stay in it with all of your heart. Put your all in it. Even if people tell you, hey, you're going crazy. What are you doing believing in all this Jesus stuff? Put all your heart in it because it is truth. God is in it. Don't be half-hearted. Don't get discouraged. Continue on. Continue with it. And here is then what happens. Here is the, uh, it, it gets more amazing than this. Verse 23, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called, were called Christians first in Antioch. So Barnabas goes to this place, leaves um, uh, uh, Jerusalem where he lived. He was so pleased with what he saw in Antioch, Barnabas decided to move there. Okay. And Barnabas is a very spiritual man. He was so pleased with what he saw in Antioch. He left the church in Jerusalem to move to Antioch. But not only did he move there, before he moved there, he first went to Tarsus to grab Saul and brought Saul with him to Antioch. Now, who is Saul? Okay. Uh, who is Saul? Remember, I began by saying that the why were Christians scattered all over the world from Jerusalem? Because persecution broke out on the day Stephen was killed for his Christian faith, for his faith in Jesus. Okay. Now, who was Stephen was stoned to death? Who was standing there with the people who were stoning Stephen? A man, a young man, the Bible said, whose name was Saul. Saul, this young man was part of this movement that persecuted Christians and forced them out of Jerusalem. And not only that, he became the ringleader of the persecutors of the church. The Bible says in, um, in Acts chapter 9, I'm just going to read this one verse to you. The Bible says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. So Saul was a professional persecutor of the church, a full-time persecutor. The Bible says he went even to foreign countries, left Israel, went to Damascus in Syria, in, in Syria and to try to grab Christians, force them to blaspheme, throw them in jail. That's Saul. That's Saul, persecutor of the church. The Bible describes him as a man who was so furious against the Christian faith. He was so against this whole thing of Jesus Christ. He thought that it was his duty as a Pharisee to go out there and persecute them. And the Bible said, described that as he was breathing out murderous. Uh, he, he, he was breathing out murder against, against Christians. It was part of his being. He was he was seething with murderous dis, uh, with murderous anger and hatred towards Christians. That Saul, one day, got saved, got converted, became a Christian. 
When he became a Christian, he tried to join the church in Jerusalem. And the Bible says um, that when Saul tried to, when he came to Jerusalem, this is Acts chapter 9, verse 26. I'll just read it for you. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really, that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Amazing. He got, he was so against Christianity that when he became a Christian, even the church, the Christians in Jerusalem didn't believe him. When he tried to join them, people were like, who? Paul, no, no, I don't want to see him. I don't really think he's changed. I don't really think he's become a disciple. It's not possible. But there was just one man who believed him. One man who, his name was Barnabas. He tried to say, no, he's really a Christian. Come on, guys. He could see. He gave Saul the benefits of that. He could always, he had a gift for discerning the grace of God at work in the life of a person. And he could see, no, something real has happened to this young man here. He's really believed. I'm not afraid of him. How often around us, God is working in the hearts of people. And we say, no, they haven't changed. No, God's not doing anything. He's just the same. He's going to church. It's all a night. Oh, he'll be back to, 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 uh, to the club next week. He'll be back to this drinking. He's going to go back to his girlfriends and all that. And, uh, you know, and we, 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 and we doubt often the work of God. And sometimes in the church, and often in the church, you need people with eyes like Barnabas, who's always going out, trying to reach out. He's bringing Saul, trying to bring people into the fellowship, into the fellowship with other Christians. And today, is there somebody out there, and God is working in him around you, might you be the person that God wants to use to take that person and say, yes, I come, I want to encourage you. Come, come into the fellowship. I believe God is working in you. Others may not see it, but I see it. Others may still see your flaws or your past, but I see that God is working in you. And that's what Barnabas, Barnabas did. So back to this, Barnabas went to Tarsus which was where Saul was actually from, originally from. He took him, brought him to Antioch, and the church received them. Do you get, get, get that? The church received me. That. This church was started by who? By people who had lost everything in Jerusalem and had to flee because who was persecuting them? Saul. The same Saul who had persecuted them, caused them to leave Jerusalem, they welcomed that same Saul into their new church, which they started in a new city. Now, you got to stop and think about it. To me, this is mind-boggling. Because you see, first of all, God at work on one end. God says to Saul, okay, go ahead and persecute my church. You're only making them go out and plant more churches. You see, persecution, there is no power that stops the gospel. When I went to visit my mom in, in, a, in, 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 in Virginia back in July, 
she was so upset about some of the things that were going on in the news and how churches, some, some places where casinos were allowed to, to, to meet, but churches were not and, 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 and things like that and, 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 and other things that were going on and that seemed to be just unfair to churches. And um, she was very hurt by that. And, 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 I, and I say this, said this to her, and, I, and, and, and the only reason I remember, because later on I heard her re say this uh, to someone else, I said to her, uh, listen, the Christian faith isn't at the mercy of a president or a governor or a judge. If that were the case, Christianity would have disappeared a long time ago. We've had emperors. The Roman Empire was against Christians. They tried to destroy us. Jesus Christ was crucified. All his apostles, except for one, were killed for their faith. Nothing stops the gospel. The only people who hinder the gospel is Christians themselves. The world can't. I'm not worried about the future of the church. Or the, I don't lose sleep over that. As, as, in, as in what the world can do to the church. I'm concerned about, am I walking with God so that God can use me in the environment where I am? That's what worries me. It's where I stand with God in my own relationship with him. And I hope that's what you are most concerned about as well. I'm concerned about the body of Christ being what it ought to be, the light it ought to be in the middle of the darkness. And so, that... The, God was saying to Saul, yeah, you go ahead and persecute my church in Jerusalem. You think you're destroying them. You're just sending out missionaries on my behalf. Uh, and not only that, on the, other, on the other end, God started a church in Antioch through these men. And please listen to me here carefully. This church was a church where there was the evidence of the grace of God. One of those evidence was that this was a church that was willing to welcome their former persecutor. These are people who maybe had their friends or relatives thrown in jail, perhaps killed. Maybe they were friends of Stephen in this church who knew what Saul had done. But they welcomed him. Not only did they welcome him, they made him a teacher in the church. The Bible says Barnabas and Saul for a whole year met with the church and taught a great number of people in that place, in that city. They not only welcomed Saul, they made him a teacher in the church. The person who used to persecute them. The person who used to, to breathe out murderous uh, thoughts against them. That, that same man, they made him a leader in the church, a teacher. They listened to him. Why they could see God had touched him, he was saved. Not only that, check this out. The grace of God at work in this church. There was a prophet during, the, during this during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that the severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. 
This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciple, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So a prophet came, said there will be a famine. They recognized this was a true word from God, and they decided to respond by sending some help to their fellow brothers in Jerusalem who had been what suffered heavy persecution. And who do they send to carry this gift? Barnabas and Saul. They not only welcomed the former persecutor, they not only made him a teacher in the church, when they wanted to send a couple of ambassadors on behalf of their church, it will be like the church deciding, okay, who can we really send who will speak on our behalf? There's money that we want to send to Haiti or somewhere. Where people say, you know, no better two people to send than these two guys, Barnabas and Saul. They made him Saul their representative away from the church. Now, I want to say this two things about this. Number one, are you, uh, are you someone who looks at your past and you say, look at all the stuff that I did. I was against God. I used to curse God. I used to, to do all these things. I used to, be, to, to live in immorality. I used to do drugs. I did this, so I did that, and so forth. Do you look back? On that, and you say, well, there's, how could God use me? I, I, I know people who think like that. Well, there's no greater example than Paul, than, than Saul. He tried to destroy the church. God not only saved him, God made him a teacher in a church. God made him one whom the church could send out. And this is the first time he sent out for this. This is his first assignment from this church. And so, yeah, no matter what you've done in the past, the grace of God at work in you can transform you. Today is a new day. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't be worried about the future. Today is a new day. The Bible said the mercies of God are renewed every day. The mercies of God are renewed every morning. And so you can look forward to Say to God, God, yeah, I, I was bad in the past. But God, you forgave me. And now I want your grace to touch me. Make me a new person. And use me however you choose. The other thing that I want to say about this isn't about us. There are people out there that we know aren't following God. There are even people who are openly against God. Are we the kind of church that anyone who repents can come to? Would Barnabas have brought Saul to our church? Let me bring this a level deeper, okay? We're living in a time of civil unrest. In America, there is, um, a few months ago, as everybody knows, there was an incident uh, where a policeman had his knee on the neck of, uh, of, a, of, a, of, a, of an African-American gentleman, and, uh, and the man died. And um, 
Now, um, I, I know that since then there's been a, there's a debate over what exactly caused his death. Was this the, was it the knee on his neck that caused the death, or was it uh, some substance he had taken? And I'm not going to get into that debate, and I'm not taking any positions here. I'll leave that to the forensic experts and whoever will be, I'm sure, will be speaking at that trial on, on, on both sides. But here's what I, I want to I say about that. You know, when that incident happened, there was a lot of call for justice, and, 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 that, and that's fine. There was a lot of call for justice. There was a lot of prayers for the family of the gentleman who, who died in police custody. What I did not hear, what I did not hear was prayer for the policeman. Everyone was asking for his head. And I didn't hear Christians praying for him. Now let me ask you this. That man, that policeman who's sitting in jail, whatever level of his guilt you believe he has, clearly there was hatred there, no question about that. Clearly there was, there was, there was hatred that was demonstrated in that video, there's no question about that. But as he sits today in jail, if that man hears the gospel, becomes a Christian, and one day, if and when he gets out of, of, of jail, and now he's trying to find the church, which church would welcome him? Would we welcome him? Or if he comes in, you'll head out. Would we welcome him? I hope, if, I hope you prayed for him. You see, if somebody is killed and you prayed for him, he's a victim, you prayed for him, anybody can do it. Everybody prays for the victim. It, that when, you, when you do the right thing, when it's easy, when it's common, that's just common sense. And, but Jesus said, if you, greet, if you only are good to those who are good to you, what What's that? Even non-Christians do that. Try to be good to those who are good to them. You cross into Christian territory when you begin to do good to those who don't deserve it. When you begin to pray for those who persecute you, for those who insult you, for those who mistreat you. There you're beginning to cross into Christian territory. And my hope is that that man gets saved. My hope is that he believes in Jesus Christ. And one day can become a useful person for the kingdom of God. I wish that for everybody, no matter what they've done. Now let me ask you, would that person like that be welcome in the church? Would he ever be made a teacher in the church? <laughs> would a church ever send him out? Well, that was who Paul, who Saul was. And, you know, there is a, a, there's a, a man, there was a man in New York, the, uh, the son of Sam, 
David Berkowitz, I wasn't born then, I think, but I've read about it. And he went out on a serial killer. He killed a lot of people. He was targeting only, uh, was it only blonde ladies or brunettes only? I forgot. And he killed like something like nine people or something like that. Was finally caught men possessed by the devil. And was sent to, to terrorize New York. He was, he was in jail. And in jail, I hear someone in the courtyard of the prison, a, 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 a Puerto Rican gentleman came to him and told him, hey, do you know that Jesus, do you know that God loves you? Has a plan for your life. He was like, what? And from there, he began to hear the gospel and he got saved, became a believer, a real one. And not too long ago, I heard a minister who has a very, very large church who apparently became friends with him over the years. He would call him for six months every week to pray with him and help him disciple him. And this particular minister was telling his congregation if there was one preacher whom I would wish to come here and give this pulpit over to, to teach you all, that would be David. And he said, and I know a lot of preachers. Now, when I was reading recently, because his case was up for parole again, and they, they interviewed some people who were connected to the case, and one of them was saying, yeah, I don't believe that, uh, all that faith of his, it's all in that, and so forth. They were still bitter about it. And, and I thought to myself, wow, the man who was a serial killer is headed to heaven. The people outside who think they're better than him and but are full of bitterness are probably not going to make it. The gospel is all about the grace of God working, taking dead people, making them alive in Christ, turning sinners into saints, into saints as a work of grace through faith. So, it was in Antioch, in here, the Bible says the disciples were called Christian first at Antioch. You and I are called Christians. You know where that started? In this city here, the place where there was the evidence of the grace of God. And from what I've read, it was not the Christians who gave themselves that nickname. It was the world. It was people outside. I remember when I was I think back in high school, just learning, I was like, wow. You know, the, it was the world. They saw that these people who were followers of this new religion were different. They saw that in, in the marketplace, they were honest. They were not uh, uh, were dealing in crooked ways. They welcomed everybody, no matter your social, your, your class or your status. In fact, 
Many people of the lowest, lowest class became Christians in those days because they were welcomed. And, um, and be, no matter who they were, people were astonished by that. And they were like, who are these people? And the term began, they are followers of the Christ. They are Christ followers. That's what Christian means, Christ followers. It began in Antioch. It ought to be that as you and I live still today in our communities, people look at me, people look at you, observe us, and they can tell, no, there's something different about this person, something different about him, something different about her in the way they carry themselves. I want to end by saying this, you know, this Saul, the Bible tells us, later changed his name to Paul. He became Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote like one-third of the New Testament, two-thirds of the books of the, New, of the New Testament. And God used him the best example of a Christian we have in the Bible. Jesus Christ is our supreme example but in terms of how a person follows Jesus Christ, there's no better example in the whole Bible than Paul the Apostle. He's our example for that. In terms of a Christian worker, a minister, no better example than, 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 Paul, than Paul in the Bible. God took the persecutor of the church and he turned him into a new man. And I, I want to just end by reading the way later on in his life, when Paul is older, he reflects on this and he writes a letter to Timothy, his spiritual son. This is in 1 Timothy chapter 1 from verse 12. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful and appointed, appointed me to his service. And listen to this, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor, and a violent man. Please listen to that. This is Paul describing himself. He said, I was a blasphemer. A blasphemer is someone who insults God. Because he used to insult Jesus Christ. And he said he even used to force Christians to blaspheme. A persecutor of the church and a violent man. These are the confession of Saul. He was a violent man. He said, but I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And listen to verse 14. What fixed that? The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Let me read that again. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with faith and love that are in Christ. Instead of the blasphemer, he got abundant grace. Instead of being a persecutor, he got faith. And instead of being a violent man, he got love that are in Christ Jesus. 
faith, love, grace were poured out abundantly in the in the heart things in the life of Saul. And so he said, and here's his conclusion. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Paul is saying to Timothy, if there's anything that's true, if there's anything that's true, here's a trustworthy saying. Not that the other thing he's written in his letter aren't trustworthy, but he's saying to Timothy, if there's one thing you can take to the bank, it is this. Is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life now unto the king eternal immortal invisible the only god be honor and glory forever and ever amen Amen. the trustworthy saying jesus christ came into the world to save sinners now paul says here calling himself the worst of sinners not because he thinks that there was no other worse person than him in the world but because as he got to see the holiness of god he realized his own sin. He was more aware of his own sin than that of anybody else. But the grace of God was poured upon him. And so I want to end with this thought. There is always more grace than there is sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, where sin abounded, grace overabounded. There is always more grace than there is sin. There is always more grace than there is hatred. There's always, there's enough grace to cover up your sin, to overcome and overtake your sins, the sins of your friend, the sins of your family, the sins of of everybody in our fellowships, the sins of, of, of our city, the sins of our nation, indeed the sins of the world. There's abundant grace. Show me a situation that's been broken, destroyed by sin. I'll show you a situation where there is more grace that can be poured into There's always more grace. And so I want us today to pray for the evidence of the grace of God. As we go into prayer groups, let us pray that there will be the evidence of the grace of God in my life, in your life, in the church. I want more of the grace of God in me. I want to be able to say, look, abundant grace was poured upon me along with faith and love. That come from Jesus Christ. There was a miracle. Listen to what he says. Now I'm out of my time. I'm going to end and give us time to pray. God did this so that he can show his unlimited patience. Has God been patient with you? God's been patient to me. We're with me. Yeah, I haven't persecuted the church. I haven't gone out and done drugs or crazy things out there, but I'm aware when I'm in the presence of God. I'm aware of my own, of the sinfulness of my, I am aware that I'm not like him in my natural self. I'm really not like him at all. And, but I also see there's abundant grace. 
that can be poured into my life. We need the grace of God today in our country. We need the grace of God today um, in our nation. We need the grace of God to come and begin to overtake a lot of the brokenness around us. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for everybody. I'm hopeful for us in this season that we can reach the world, that we can reach people with the love and the mercy and the goodness of God. We can be light in the darkness and we can be a group of people that is welcoming and that can accept any sinner who repents.